There's a couple of things we really want you to know before you listen. One. We're both psychologists, but we're not your psychologists. Yeah. If you are looking for a therapist, please check out the notes in our episode descriptions. The other thing is this has... Some salty language. Explicit lyrics. We say the F word. We say things that you probably don't want your kids to hear. The D word. And also maybe things you don't want to hear. The C word. If that's not your bag, put your finger on the scroller and just drag it all the way to the end. (laughs) So we still get credit for you listening all the way through. All right. On on with the show. Oh, you put your glasses on. You must be the teacher today. Is this doing it Uh for you? It is. Hey, I have a question for you. Okay. Hopefully I have an answer. Where did you learn to braid hair? It's the three-man weave in basketball. (laughs) What? When you do a three-man weave, it's exactly like braiding hair. Yeah, but but that doesn't answer your question. That's how my basketball coach taught us. He had us braid each other's hair, and then he goes, now do that with a ball. Okay, I'm still waiting. I I just figured it out, probably. Did you have a girlfriend that wanted you to braid her hair? No. You know my history. I've had very few girlfriends. No, that's not true. No, I don't. You were married. You were once married. I know. She wasn't my girlfriend, though. <laughs> I I don't remember where I learned how to braid hair. It's just like it just, did you it, braid your sister's hair? No. Did you braid your mom's hair? No. Why do you know how to braid? I don't know. It's, it's kind of like so strange. Kind of like where I learned how to change a tire. Like no one sat down and taught me. I just figured it out. Did you braid little girls' hairs? No, old women's hairs. Okay. Um. Is it, hey, welcome. Welcome. Where are to we? To Reverse Psychology, the podcast. That's cool. We are. Two doctors. We are psychologists. We are hair braiders. I'm a child psychologist, behavior analyst, and uh, amateur singer. I'll pay you. Okay. Okay. What's your name? Oh, yeah. I'm Dr. Diana. <laughs> What's up? What's up with you? What's up, Doc? I'm Dr. Mike. I am a now adolescent and adult yeah. psychologist. We overlap now. We overlap in the teen realm. But I like the more mature teens, mm-hmm. the ones that are real angst, not angsty, the ones that are like wise beyond their years and just world weary. Okay. I chopped on a tree this weekend Okay. by the roots while a listening band. to the roots. Okay. Questlove helped. Uh, and now my body hurts. All right. So tune in next week. You're wearing the shirt I gave you. Yeah, I love this shirt. This oh, is the sh- We're also married. This I guess sh- if you are listening for the first time, you might want to know that. I guess if you're listening for the first time, you're wondering why your voice keeps coming in and out. <laughs> well, my glasses are on, so I have to push them back up. Okay. We are married, and this is the shirt that we both got married in. <laughs> we're married. We're psychologists. Deal with it. And we think we're funny. All right. On <laughs> with our show. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Got some... Where I, are you in, where are you in your life today? go to Target. Okay. today because we do need some stuff like we gotta wink wink no not that kind of stuff we i just have to get out into the world and buy a couple things today that we need mm-hmm. um so i might do that which i've been looking forward to for like three days <laughs> yeah your big trip out yeah got up my mask got my gloves ready yeah that's good and that's about it because we're in quarantine and i don't have a lot to say except for oh. i learned you can braid hair i can braid hair i can chop down trees i what else can i do what else have you learned about me this weekend um Mm. you don't look good in a mustache just a mustache yeah we had a long discussion about that me and dr logan yeah in front of our wives it was very boring yeah <laughs> it was very intricate intricate for what? oh we did play a really fun game that yeah. i want to tell people about okay go it's called trust me i'm a doctor mm-hmm. so it was, it was fun so 
each person takes a turn where they'll play a a card that has an old timey illness like consumption, consumption, blood ghosts. <laughs> uh, I think that was a cure. No, no, it wasn't. It was a ailment. Oh, hair loss, impotence, wh- impotence, hypervirility. And then everyone takes turns proposing an old-timey treatment, things mm-hmm. like heroin and, and praying about it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to argue. And then the person with the ailment chooses what doctor they want to work with. Yep. It was really fun. It was fun. It was a great time. We played it over Zoom. It was fun. Yeah. yeah do that. Then, Tabletopia. Yeah. Go on Tabletopia. Tell them we sent you. We don't have any They're going to have no idea who we are. <laughs> Just try the backslash reverse psychology yeah. and or forward slash, whatever yeah. it is. It'll cost you more. Wait, it's backslash forward slash backslash depends on what way you're looking at it yeah i don't know but try both of those yeah back forward <laughs> uh reverse psychology dot garbage file it'll cost you twice as much but you'll have twice as much fun i've been playing scrabble with my 85 year old dad oh yeah over a lot app. of new words have been invented since he learned words <laughs> well you know there's i'm okay i there's not a lot of things i'll brag about but i will brag i'm really good at scrabble it's not true you brag about a lot of stuff. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I you're, couldn't. You always brag about how humble you are. So I've been like really beating my dad. This is like someone who beat me at everything grow- when I was growing up. Yeah. So now it's payback time. Yeah. He's old. Now and- you're the one with the belt. <laughs> okay. We have any reviews? We have two. Okay, first review. It's on iTunes. It says, nice work. Great. Which sounds sarcastic, but it's not. I might be in the fight for the youngest listener when I say this, but I'm 17 years old, I'm assuming. And I found this podcast last year while taking AP Psych. Aw. And they've been loving it. I've been listening to your podcast, driving to and from school, but now that the world is a bit different, I listen in the comfort of my own bed. <laughs> I love getting to learn. It sounds like depression. <laughs> I love getting to learn more about uh, certain things that we would have never delved into in class while also feeling smart when I remember something we did talk about. The banter is great. Keep you on your toes. Uh, I don't know why it's taking me so long to review. We don't know either. I've always known it's worth all five of those stars. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Oh, oh Alexis, Arizona. I thought Thank I said you, Alexis. Alex is, it's Alexis. Oh, Alex is Arizona. <laughs> That's what I thought I said. Probably Alexis, Arizona. Um, by the way, I think it would be really fun to teach high school AP psychology. I would love to. I would love to be like a, uh, a dead poet society style. Be like the cool teacher. I would constantly sit backwards in my chair. <laughs> Everyone stand on your desks. Conformity. Your hat backwards. You have my hat backwards. I'm yeah. smoking a candy cigarette. Yeah. yeah. Bring it back from last week. Yep. Call back. Yeah. I think it'd be fun to teach high school I know. AP. Well, I bet. Hey, McGillicuddy. Eyes up here. Hey. Spit your gum onto my hand. Alex is. I hope that your senior year is not like if this is your senior year, I'm sorry. You probably didn't get your prom or your graduation or anything. That really sucks. But if it gets rescheduled and you want to go to prom with doctors, Mike and Diana, <laughs> let us know. That's so creepy. <laughs> if you want to bring a, a middle-aged married couple with you to prom <laughs> and just listen to us banter IRL. All right. Oh. Hope we can make that. Or if your school's hiring a new AP psych teacher, let me know. Yeah, We have jobs here, but yeah, maybe but virtually, virtually now that the world has changed. Everyone virtually stand on your desks. Yeah. Rip out the pages of your book. <laughs> okay. Now, Who's next? Back in. Next one's an email. Oh, thanks, email. From the Chadrick, which I like that name. They say, greetings, Dr. Diana and Dr. Mike. Mm. Indicating we're in order. In order of Morans. Uh, their partner tagged them on our podcast page on Facebook as a potential podcast to listen to in their free time or when they go on walks. They've listened to uh, varying episodes, a few 
that they've listened to multiple times because oh. they contain some <laughs> awesome information. Sweet. That I want to crock pot on. Slow roast? Yeah, maybe sl- slow like, cook. Uh, slow cook. Headline fatigue, borderline personality disorder, the Goldwater rule are some of their personal favorites. Oh, cool. They've listened to many drab and bland psychology podcasts, and it feels like everyone with their doctoral degrees wants to use fancy $5 words uh, to make themselves seem knowledgeable. We have witty banter, uh, and we speak like we're talking to someone that knows nothing about psychology but wants to learn, and we appreciate that. And he appreciates that, too. That's kind of how we feel. (laughs) Yeah. Currently, they're getting their certification as a uh, substance abuse counselor. Oh, I was like, you are? Yeah, side note. Nope. <laughs> and they're, they want to apply to a marriage and family therapy program. <gasps> cool. But they're also thinking about IO psychology because they're very interested as well. Nice. Uh, on that note, Dr. Logan sent me a, I think he sent it to both of us, a yeah. text completely out of context saying he would love to come back on the podcast. Yeah, and the world needs this. Because he was listening to our podcast and was unaware that it was not happening in real time. <laughs> um, Dr. Logan, he plays our podcast while he, while he works out. That's cute. He's spelt, swole, swole, spelt, swollen. Okay. Yeah. I hope he's okay. Hope he's okay too. But thank you for the email. Yeah. I need to respond to you, but I like to do it on the podcast before I tape something. So thank you. That's so nice. Keep on listening. I love that people are at like kind of all stages of Of their maybe psychology career or not mm-hmm. listening to this I, i'm sure we also don't have any like phd level people listening yeah it's all people who, who are like oh i'm i'm a lay person you speak to my level which that's is fine. good uh, that's what i'd rather do i know me too yeah so then, I, I feel like sometimes the phd people they like they nitpick just to feel smart where it's like my advisors do that but i'd like say something be like oh like the audience in this whole scenario and he's like oh, you said audience uh really i feel like it would be like the crowd view it's like that doesn't make any difference yeah like listen to what i'm saying semantics yes that's what phds like to do they like to feel smart by critiquing the word you use yeah well and i to them i say good day so hey we are going to talk about some things today okay some things yeah with a z this came up for me well this comes up for me quite a bit did you notice it i'm noticing that something's coming up for me i'm getting curious about it and i'll tell you about it i'm gonna open the blinds really quick (laughs) that was the sound of the blinds opening and my eyes opening to the world yeah sound of my eyes opening all right. So the, again, this comes up for me quite a bit. It used to come up for me in when I was a school psychologist. Although in schools, we don't diagnose this. Um, although we do look at eligibility for emotional behavioral disorders. I want to talk today about conduct disorder. Mm. Yeah. So I have worked with and I work with a lot of kids with conduct disorder or CD. What's, what is it. conduct disorder? It's a disorder of conduct. All right. There we go. See you next week. Email us with your questions. (laughs) Rate us, review us. Yeah. So if if it wasn't clear enough, it's something wrong with you. Can you look? We have the DSM-5 right in front of us. Purple. By we, I mean Mike. I'm going to have him look it up. (laughs) I want him to just kind of talk about the diagnostic criteria for it. But I'm going to talk about it as more of like what you see in kids with conduct disorder and some of the background information related to it. Okay, so this chapter is called Disruptive Impulse Control and Conduct Disorders. Sweet. Do you want me to read the entire chapter? No, I just want you to generally, can you just say which, like what disorders you would find under that umbrella? Okay, first disorder, 
F91.3. Okay, don't do this. That's going to be Oppositional Defiant Disorder. ODD. I'm going to talk about that. Yep. Are you done with it? And then... Intermittent explosive disorder. That is the next one. It sounds like diarrhea. Yeah, intermittent explosive disorder. It sounds like uh, I might have that sometimes. There's two specifiers, with and without pants. (laughs) And then we have the big daddy conduct disorder. Are there subtypes of conduct disorder? There are subtypes. Yeah, there's also subtypes of... Well, there's not subtypes of ODD, but there's mild, moderate, and severe. And it's interesting. Ooh, and then there's a whole bunch of different antisocial personality disorders. Yes, and we're going to talk about this. So you may think about this kind of as a um, continuum. So if ODD starts it, right? It's like the entry, the gateway drug. Yeah, you get a little taste of being a dick. Yeah. (laughs) Oppositional dick disorder. Yeah. Nope. Oppositional defiant disorder. Oppositional dick disorder is like when just that your dick will not cooperate. <laughs> so ODD is kind of the entry into this yeah. foray. It's little little jerk children. Um, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I mean, look, there's a lot of factors that go into this, and um, like uh, what's interesting about ODD, I just actually did an evaluation and gave a uh, kid this diagnosis. And ODD, if you were mild, ODD mild. It just manifests in one setting. So the severity of it, as the severity goes up, the more settings yeah. you will see it in. It's funny. What? Is there an age cap to ODD? That's a good question. Uh, I don't there think isn't, so. But it's funny because I associate it with younger kids. Yeah, definitely. In one of the environments that it could happen in for mild is work so it's like <laughs> oh my my two-year-old he is a little angel at home so good at pre-k but when he gets on his shift at the mill he's a he's a little asshole mm. yeah typically it begins in preschool or early elementary school yeah that's typically when you start to what be does it mean to be vindictive i mean i know the word i know the, like it's like um deliberately seeking out revenge okay because that's a subtype of odd okay. if you've been vindictive twice in the past six months that's kind of a it's a low threshold yeah well uh, odd kind of has a low threshold honestly yeah. um because if you think about it, like it manifests in one setting like uh, it's interesting because a lot of disorders you have to like manifest across settings yeah. so it's really interesting that you can get odd and i'm kind of thinking i have ODD at work yeah <laughs> vindictiveness <laughs> are we discovering something here? i just discovered that i'm criteria for mild <laughs> odd with vindictiveness the number of times oh, I've right. deliberately sabotaged. Well, that was actually the goal of today. So <laughs> well, I'm glad you figured yeah. it out. And as we all know, catharsis is the only factor in therapy. So I feel better. I'm done. Good. So a lot of kids will have behavior problems depending on the demands of the environment, right? So we try to keep diagnoses separate from certain environments because kids might manifest behavior in one environment because, for example, they're in school and they just are not excited about doing their work. So they might like throw tantrums or whatever, but that's very specific to one context. So I just think it's interesting that ODD is one place specific. I did have a kid recently who was ODD, mild, just at home which always makes you wonder like what's going on at home right and what are the aces right i was actually just looking because there's like these rule outs so it's like it can't like the kid can't because they're psychotic because they're on drugs all these things but there's not like a like a trauma related thing yeah no and and ptsd there's overlap Mm -hmm. um well like you're saying like if if a child is abused at home and they act out at home it seems to be yeah it's not mild ODD. it's well and you might 
the kid might present as ODD and then later on you find out that it's abuse related and mm -hmm. it's more with PTSD. Yeah. ODD, again, entry into this okay. spectrum. I'm not going to talk about intermittent explosive disorder, IED. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to talk about conduct disorder because CD. it's interesting and I want to talk about it. Okay. And it's relevant to me right now because I have a case and it's been a little, it's been interesting. So I want to ask you, if we sort of take the idea that ODD is the way you enter into this area of the behavior world. disorders, okay. what percent of children do you think diagnosed with ODD are eventually diagnosed with CDD? I mean, CD. What percent of, the, of people that have? So let's say your kid, you bring your kid in for testing, yeah. for psychological testing, mm -hmm. and they get a diagnosis of ODD. Okay. What percent of those do you think eventually go on to get the conduct disorder diagnosis. I'd say it's, I would imagine it's high, mm -hmm. but it's not all of them. Yeah. 25%. It's, it's about 50%. 50. Coin toss. Yeah. Okay. And there's a lot of reasons why one that might evolve into conduct disorder. Mm -hmm. Reason number one. Genetic factors. Okay. Huge, huge, huge variable in this. Another one, home environment. Mm. Another one, exposure to trauma. Three. I mean, there's Four. there's lots of factors associated. Brain damage, school failure, social problems, peer group. Mm. A lot of kids, when I worked in East LA, a lot of kids in gangs um, meet diagnose, diagnosis, diagnostic criteria for conduct disorder. Oh, weird. Yeah, but, but I mean, is it truly conduct disorder in the genetic sense or is it in the brain development sense or is it, you know, right. peer so group? It's almost you have to look at like, what is the motive for being in the gang? Because mm -hmm. is it like often gangs serve the primary role of protection. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, it's not conduct disorder. It's survival. But if a kid is like going out of their way to seek out a gang because it's an outlet for being aggressive, then it's kind of the same thing where in the military, a lot of people would meet criteria for like antisocial personality disorders or mm -hmm. have had diagnoses of conduct disorder. So, But it's not all of them. It's like, what, why, why are you going to the military? Is it? for the opportunities for uh, like job for interest or is it because it's an opportunity to be aggressive um that was a good point thank you <laughs> that was a great point um thank you I, you know i just there's so many unknowns in this so i think it's one of those things where um again it's the it's epigenetic right in yeah. the sense that it's um genes and environment interacting nature and nurture coming together so in twin studies which are kind of the gold standard of genetic heritability understanding yeah. right so when they look at identical twins there's a 50 to 70 percent concordance rate of both twins having yeah yeah oh that would be a nightmare yeah. To have two identical right. little monsters. Right. So we know based on that, there's a there's a huge genetic component. And we know that kids of parents who have a mental health diagnosis, including which can is a little bit surprising. So ADHD in the parents mm -hmm. um, is a risk factor. So something as kind of, I mean, again, I don't, this is maybe more of a subjective take on this, but I would think of. ADHD is a more mild manifestation of behavior problems. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's an impulse control. Well, yeah, but, but so, uh, you know, parent with 
ADHD to a parent with antisocial personality disorder mm-hmm. to maternal depression yeah. to mom smoking during pregnancy, mm. which my mom did. Yeah, but that was be- like the 70s. It yeah, just happened. That was healthier though because she wanted to keep the birth weight low. <laughs> easier delivery plus they were filtered so and there's a lot of um neuroscientific research on conduct disorder and like these are the findings so this study is holtz at all 2018 this is literally the findings okay i'm gonna read you the highlights genes and adverse environments likely exhibit synergistic effects in shaping conduct disorder okay so like probably Mm -hmm. that probably has an effect yeah Molecular studies of conduct disorder show inconsistent findings. Okay. So maybe it's in the brain. Maybe it's, maybe they can't find it. Maybe they maybe can't find it. Maybe they're born with it. Maybe it's conduct disorder. Even though promising gene times environments or gene by environment studies on neural conduct disorder circuits remain sparse. Um, so what and are we learning? We're learning that they just don't know. Nothing. Nothing. Although you I know talk nothing, about science. So can you talk about the diagnostic criteria for CD? And I'll talk about how it's different from ODD. But I'm going to read the criteria for CD. Okay. Okay. Criterion A. A repetitive and persistent pattern of behavior in which the basic rights of uh, others or major age-appropriate societal norms or rules are violated. That seems really subjective. Okay. As manifested by the presence of at least three of the following 15 criteria okay. in the past 12 months uh, from any of the categories below with at least one criterion present in the past six months. So you need to have three of the following. Okay. And Diane, I want you to be honest if you've had any of these. So this one classification is aggression towards people and animals. Okay. I think we should just for... Um, so this would be like... Levity. Levity? No, for brevity. brevity. <laughs> Just for levity, let's make fun of this. Uh, being a bully, initiating fights, having weapons uh, that can cause harm, even though it might not cause harm. They might not causing harm. Basically, having weapons, being cruel to people or animals. I want to pause on that one and come back to it. Okay. I want to put a pin in that. Actually. Okay. Do you have a pin? Okay. That that is not what a pin sounds like. Got it. <laughs> uh, destruction of property. Uh-huh. Deceitfulness or theft, serious violation of rules. So this would be things like serious, serious. Uh, often stays out at night despite parental prohibitions, beginning before the age of thirteen. Mm-hmm. Has a run away from home overnight at least twice while living with parents or parental uh, surrogate homes. Truant from school, beginning before thirteen. Among those categories, there's 15 different specifics. Uh, criterion B, the disturbance in behavior causes clinically significant impairment in social, academic, or occupational functioning. So it's hard for this nine-year-old to keep a job. C, if the individual is age 18 or older, criterion is not met for antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So that's the big thing. We're going to talk about that, too. Cool. So there's bit. three specifiers. Mm-hmm. Specifier one, childhood onset. So mm-hmm. this is if it is started before 10. Which most do. Adolescent onset. This okay. is if it is... Also called puberty. Uh, individuals show no characteristics before the age of 10. Mm-hmm. So it starts after 10. It's not, I'm just kidding. It's not called puberty. Unspecific onset. The criterion are met, but there's not enough information to know when it started. Also another specifier. We're almost done. With limited pro-social emotions. Mm-hmm. So that'd be uh, individuals must have displayed at least two of the following characteristics. A lack of remorse or guilt. Callous behavior unconcerned about performance and uh, shallow or deficit affect. So they're just kind of like flat and then mild, moderate or 
severe. Cool. Creepy. So it is creepy. And actually, um, a lot of people describe individuals with conduct disorder as having a lack of remorse. Yep. Doing things kind of like vindictively and then kind of not showing the same sort of emotional or physical reaction that others might if you like for example if you hurt someone's feelings or you hurt someone physically someone who was maybe not on this spectrum yeah would maybe cry or apologize profusely or feel guilty feel guilty individuals with conduct disorder often learn to apologize but don't really empathize also for there's like a pretty well-found social norm at least in our culture where if you do something that like is knowingly wrong, often you'll see people will then do a pro-social behavior, even if it's not at the same person. So like if I cut someone off in traffic, mm-hmm. I'm much more likely to then like hold the door for someone later in the day. Like we generally have this balancing sense where we're going to engage in a positive behavior eventually, whereas people on this spectrum are unlikely to ever feel that like the, the need or the, the responsibility to eventually do a good behavior. Mm-hmm. So... What differentiates it from the lower kind of criteria of oppositional defiant disorder? Are you are you asking or is it rhetorical? Sure. No, I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I would what say you've learned. I have learned that conduct disorder is more severe and involves the, the aggression towards people or animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's That's also- a huge risk factor. So if you're, you know, someone who's working with a parent who says that their child is aggressive towards animals, that's typically a big red flag. Also, there's with opposition defiant disorder, there's more like emotional dysregulation. So mm-hmm. you'll see more anger, agitation, anxiety, like reactiveness, whereas mm-hmm. this is much more callous and emotionless. So interestingly, they call that limited prosocial emotions. Mm. So that LPE. the range of that, yeah, that's actually LPEs, which include deficits in empathy. And have been labeled the effective, affective, AFF, affective dimension of psychopathy or callous unemotional traits. That's what you might see in research. Callous unemotional traits. What else did you learn? Uh, You can have both. Yeah. It's really common to have both. Yeah. And I don't know why that would necessarily. It kind of seems like once you have conduct disorder, you don't need the ODD anymore, but. I think it would be more clean to have cognitive disorder with a specifier of all like also oppositional or like also the emotional piece to it versus yeah. they have ODD because they have this anger. Right. And they have cognitive disorder. I think it'd be easier to like cognitive disorder. What with would, yeah. What would ODD feature. add to the diagnosis? Like what would you see with CD and ODD that you wouldn't just see with CD? The anger, and the, 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 the irritable mood, just like straight throughout. Okay. I feel like with cognitive disorder, it's like, in my mind, it's more reactive. And also the aggressive behavior in conduct disorder often seems instrumental rather than emotional. Mm-hmm. Whereas oppositional defiant, you might see aggressive behavior, but it's usually like in the context of anger, aggression, anxiety, acting out emotionally. Yeah. It adds that, but I think you can just do that with a specifier to have yeah. less diagnoses on the line. Yeah, that's true. And like, it's really common for parents to come in and say, okay, they have ADHD, ODD, CD. It was like all the D's. Yeah. He's got that D. He's got that D. So sometimes um, I worked with kids where teachers will describe them as this is not anywhere in the diagnostic criteria, but it's uh, an interesting kind of 
manifestation, I think, where I've had teachers say, this kid just looks through me. Like, yeah. you know, doesn't really look at me as like a human being almost like just sort of like acknowledge it, just sort of acknowledges me as a thing in the environment. Yeah, I've seen that. I, yeah. I feel like I've seen that with adults, too, where I get that sense of, oh, there's no emotional connection. It feels very hollow. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, it's not it's it's not it qualitatively feels different than being with other human beings sometimes. Yes, because I feel like with a lot of people, like even if someone's not. So for, for most people I work with, there is a, like an emotional reactivity mm-hmm. where like I'll say something, they react physically, but also like you can sense this shift in something. Or if they're kind of oblivious to me, they're still reactive to something. Mm-hmm. Whereas like an individual on this spectrum, it feels like I am a like a table where they're just like seeing it, but there's no deeper processing of it. Mm-hmm. So prevalence. Do you think it's more boys or girls? Boys. Yes. As are all the um the um diagnoses the in farting? this all this all the diagnoses in this area or in this um umbrella. Do you think that's accurate? Or do you think that girls are better at hiding it? I think girls manifest differently. How do they show up? Um How I, did you look as a child? <laughs> I looked like a boy hair I had a boy haircut. You did. Yeah. For a long you time. You had a hot little bowl cut. So how is it, I, there's no, I don't have any empirical evidence right now in front of me to support this, but girl vindictiveness looks a lot different than boy vindictiveness. In the words of the regrettable Louis C.K., mm-hmm. boys will fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. Girls are uh, fucked up. Okay. No, 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 no. He but, said, boys will fuck shit up. Girls will f- will fuck you up. He was just like, if, if you're watching boys, they will like destroy your mm-hmm. home, but it's material goods. Girls will say something or do something that like will rock you to your like your core. Sure. Like he was saying he was watching his two daughters. They both had tiaras. One daughter broke hers. And so she told him to break the other daughter's tiara so they're even. And he did. And he's like, he felt awful that she convinced him to break his other child's toys. As a side, I just looked up because I wanted to talk about the like representation of conduct disorder in movies. Yeah. And... There's a whole IMDb Mean Girls movies depicting mental disorders okay. category. Uh, I'll get to it. But more in boys and the girls. Okay. Another big qualifier, another big red flag for conduct disorder is setting fires. Yeah. Arson is a huge one here. So like uh, general lack of concern for any sort of destructive behaviors. Yeah. Right. So did you ever see the movie? Oh, what was it? Was Home it Alone with the Wet Bandits? Not Kids. Was it kids or the other one by that guy? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know kids. Um, it's Didn't the other one by that guy. Yeah. It was really messed up. There were definitely kids with conduct disorder in that movie. There's a lot of like animal mistreatment. It's really sad. Mm. Yeah. I can't really handle those movies. Yeah. Me either. Then in boys in the United States. Oh, no. Worldwide presence of conduct disorder estimated to be 2 to 2.5% of the population. Okay. Which is kind of scary high. It's higher than other things. Yeah, it is. It's a it's two is higher than one, which is often the the prevalence of things. <laughs> Three to four percent in boys, one to two percent in girls. This is worldwide. Three to four percent of boys. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. That makes sense. There's toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Just toxicness in general. Yeah. Um. Serial killerness. Which yeah. That's rare though. Or just like yeah, <laughs> killerness. But killerness. I feel like I wonder, the, yeah, the adaptability of people over time with this. Like right. Hiding he, in plain sight. 
Oh yeah, I feel like that's way more common because like yeah. you'll you'll see a lot of people that if you're poor and have conduct disorder, yeah, you're probably gonna end up in jail. But if you're like wealthy and have mm-hmm. conduct disorder, mm-hmm. you're gonna be a CEO. Especially if you like if you read about like yeah, that's true. The work life of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Elon Musk and all these people like they are they're ruthless. They're ruthless and cr- they like intentionally fuck people over. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> if like if you just read it in isolation of like if you if you took out all the identifiers including like age identifiers you'd be like oh this is a kid with conduct disorder hmm. but it's like oh no it's a multi-billionaire i don't well i mean i want to be careful about that because there's a lot of so conduct disorder as a diagnosis has a lot of stigma which is why hmm. kids usually like if which i is why kids usually have a diagnosis of bipolar disorder or odd yeah so you'll get a lot of like odd seems more palatable um it's more letters to not necessarily to parents, because I don't. A lot of parents don't know the difference. Yeah. But it seems more palatable to practitioners. It seems more workable. Yeah. It's like I can teach this kid to harness their anger right. versus oh, this is a cold, callous child that's burning stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're not sure whether or not the diagnosis of conduct disorder is on the increase or the decrease, and so this is worldwide. So we're not sure if it's getting worse or not. No, we don't know. And representatives, it says representative studies carried out in the U.S. did not report differences in prevalence between ethnic groups with any apparent differences accounted for by socioeconomic status disparities. Although I will say that um, one of the studies I looked at that was in neuroscience and behavioral reviews is that, nope, not this study, a different study in... Journal of Family Studies. Okay. This was a 2019 study. The Journal of Journals. This is a analysis of the National Child Survey. Na- National Child Health Survey. They did a multivariate regression. So you know what that means and you care. <laughs> the following factors place adolescent adolescents at increased risk for conduct disorder. You ready? I'm ready. Being Caucasian. Parents who have not met a child's friends. Not eating dinner as a family. Mm, we ate dinner as a family. And again, this is correlational. So yeah. just be aware because I feel this like... This isn't going to cause kind of sort of no, necessarily. But it could not be like... not at all. It's not causal. Indicative of, high, of yeah. more things. Right, right, right. So um, living with a parent who has been divorced. Mm-hmm. Living with a parent who... This doesn't make any sense. Who has a podcast. <laughs> living with a parent who has recently passed. Oh, if you live with a ghost? <laughs> I don't That'd really I... fuck a kid up. <laughs> You ever see Ghost Dad? (laughs) All those kids had conduct disorder, (laughs) including Bill Cosby. Um, Having a parent in jail, witnessing parental violence, living with someone with mental health problem, and living with a parent who has reported drug use. So again, not sure about environment, not sure about risk factors. We just know it's a thing. You tend to see this with with this. And um, there's a lot of heterogeneity in this, meaning that um, there's a lot of variability in how it presents. Mm-hmm. There's not like w- one, template. one template for a kid with conduct disorder. It's that old joke. Have you met a person with a conduct disorder? No. You Wait. Say, yes. Yes. Then you've met one person with conduct disorder. <laughs> <laughs> like the crowd loved it. Yeah. Um, but there are generalities, right? But. Again, this can look much different in different people. Mm -hmm. So long-term outcomes for kids diagnosed with conduct disorder are generally not good. Whoops. Teenage pregnancy, precocious, um, not precocious. Flirtatious behavior. What is it called when kids have sex? Promiscuity? Yeah, promiscuity. (laughs) Yes. 
precocious yeah. promiscuity. Yeah, there you go. So you Ver- see much earlier um, sexual activity, teenage pregnancy, smoking cigarettes, dropping out of school, joblessness, lots and lots of issues and lots of like extreme costs to society in general. Yeah, it's an expensive disorder. Yeah, another reason that we should spend more money up front for screening and um, treatment for mental health disorders so we can, on the front side, deal with things before they become a a multi-million dollar problem down the road. And not just shame the parents. Yes, that's a great point. Thank you. Because unlike some other disorders... Where it is the parents' fault? No, no, no. It's not the parents' fault, but... Family involvement in therapy can have a huge um, effect on the outcome. Mm -hmm. While some other disorders, I mean, like for me, when I deal with kids, I'm always involving the family, but conduct disorder, I'm like heavily involved in the, in the process with parenting and not because parents are doing things wrong, but just because to deal with some of the behavioral issues associated with conduct disorder, it takes a radically different approach. Right. So I'm, I'm typically heavily involved in the, in the family system. Okay. So we talked about a little bit about the age of onset and cultural differences. Perhaps there may or may not be <laughs> differences in race, ethnicity. Okay. The prevalence of conduct disorder has been estimated in only 5% of countries globally. Only 5% of countries have conduct uh-huh. disorder? Of which... Data are available from 35.6% of high-income countries, but only 1.6% of low-income or middle-income countries. Countries in sub-Saharan Africa or Latin America have no data. Because they don't have it? We just don't. The, the system is so different that they don't aren't diagnosing things the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not diagnosing things in general. Like, when I lived... In Uganda for a little bit. There's just no concept of mental health. Well, the same as in, when I was in South America. Um, I was recently in Peru for some work with families. The idea of psychology is so different there. Yeah. And it's like anyone, like I had people who tell me, oh, I'm a psychologist. I'm like, oh, cool. And they're like, yeah, I graduated high school. was basically the equivalent of high school with a psychology emphasis or whatever. And they don't have like, they're not diagnosing people Mm -hmm. in the same way. And I think it's really interesting. We should talk about this sometime because it's not that we have a better system by any means. We just have a more effective system. No, I'm just No, we don't. I think, well, yeah, I think there's a lot to say there, but I, I also think that there's the way that other countries conceptualize psychology can be very different. Oh yeah, it's wild, wildly different. So there's evidence that it can be diagnosed in children younger than five years of age, but typically practitioners don't want to do that. Well, we kind of t- said this already, but what diagnosis in adulthood do you think conduct disorder is related to? Antisocial personality disorder. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. Also, kleptomania and pyromania. Aren't those part of? But they're their own standalone disorders. Okay. Yep. With with, with billable codes. Been caught stealing. Oh, Once. I hate Jane's addiction. Yeah. I'm sorry I said that. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, pyromania, which is like a Def Leppard album. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is. Good. See, Same page. Conduct disorder is a strong risk factor for antisocial PD. But at greater than, fi- at least we know that a great a little greater greater than 50% of children with conduct disorder do not develop antisocial antisocial oh so it's not a guarantee not by any means there's a lot of paths um what's what's the path less taken cuz that's mm. going to make all the difference <laughs> i'm not sure to answer your question to that probably I mean, no probably the path less taken is i don't know 
because I was thinking tre- treatment versus no treatment. Probably, um, I don't know if it's less. I don't know. I don't even really know what I was asking. I know because I'm thinking like ju- kids go to juvenile hall. That's probably a common. That's a common path. one. Um, kids get on. Or pray about it. <laughs> psychopharmacological interventions. Mm-hmm. Exorcisms. Uh, and kids probably also do some sort of therapy. So I yeah. don't know what the road less. Maybe no intervention whatsoever. That's probably the most common one for low SES. Well, th- but then I think juvenile hall is the yeah, more common true. one. Yeah, it's probably uncommon that you're you're pulling these antics and not going to juvie. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. Okay, so cool. I don't Glad know. We got that out of the way. And we should do a whole other episode of antisocial personality disorder. But can you just briefly talk about it? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna actually just pull the criteria. Yeah, I, sorry, I, I I really sprung that on him. That might be. What I do next week. Okay. That'll be really good. I'm just going to give the criteria for... What's not here? It's not a cluster A. Oh, it's a cluster B. Okay. The criteria for antisocial personality disorder F is 60.2. Okay. That's so boring. Don't say that. Okay. Uh, a pervasive pattern of disregard for and uh, violation of the rights of others occurring since the age of 15 as indicated by three or more of the following. Failure to conform to social norms with respect to lawful behaviors. Deceitfulness, uh, lying, using aliases, or conning other people for profit or pleasure. Impulsivity or failure to plan ahead. Irritability and aggressiveness, getting into fights or assaulting others. Reckless disregard for uh, the safety of yourself or others. Consistent irresponsibility as indicated by repeated failure to sustain consistent work behavior or honor financial obligations, so like not paying your debts. And lack of remorse as indicated by being indifferent to or rationalizing having hurt, mistreated, or stolen from other people. Uh, the person is at least 18 years old. So you've had to have conduct disorders since you were 15 and be at least 18 now. Uh, evidence of conduct disorder, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the occurrence of antisocial behavior is not exclusively during a schizophrenic or bipolar episode. Okay, can you just summarize that? So basically, it's if you're an adult and you have conduct disorder. Okay. You have to, like, be lying, stealing, cheating, not not hold a job, have a lot of debt, cold, callous. So, um, interestingly, I was just looking at the movie interpretations of these different disorders. Marlon Brando in The Godfather was representative of antisocial personality disorder. The one I can think of the best as antisocial would be both the book character and the movie character from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm. The character that Jack Nicholson played. Also, um, Michael Douglas on Wall Street and yep. Anthony Hopkins on Silence of the Lambs. Yep. Antisocial. So those are kind of the adult manifestations. But you don't... I'm trying to think of a movie in recent times where you would see conduct. But again, it would be more... Be under 18, basically. Yeah. Uh, me... Did you ever see... We should talk about... like We need to talk about Kevin. Uh, yeah, we talk about that a lot. He had conduct disorder. Yeah. It's really upsetting. Oh, that's my computer. Um, yeah, that movie is hard to watch. Yeah, a novel by by the novel Push, Push by, by Sapphire. Sapphire. <laughs> so, when someone actually posted something about a couple of the Simpsons characters displaying symptoms of conduct disorder. Perhaps Bart Simpson. Bart Sampson. <laughs> so he, he was a little punk. He was a punk. That's why my mom probably did. ODD. I bet he would meet ODD. Yeah, but also you got to look at his home life. His dad was an alcoholic. His mom was trying to have affairs. His aunt smoked cigarettes. That's true, all those things. H- his local convenience store owner was a racist stereotype. Yeah, they they got rid of that character. They killed him off? Mm-hmm. 
That's even worse. Just make him more appropriate. I don't think they killed him off. They just don't do him anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Poor Hank changed. Azaria. Cancel culture. Cancel. Apu got canceled. Well, he does like a million voices, so I think he's good. Yeah. So this brings me to... Our final point. Some of the most recent developments in brain functioning and conduct disorder. Okay. So have you heard of Broadman's area? No. In the brain? Nope. Well... It means it doesn't exist. Nope. Corbidian Broadman was born in 1868. He has a very interesting life story. Okay. And um, you can read all about it, but... Ex-Jaxia! Read all about it. Broadman finds an area! Um, He had a lot of influence on the field of brain mapping. Mm. So He was a cartographer. Oh, one of our puppies is sleeping and having puppy dreams. So cute. So he was a psychiatrist in Berlin, and he he did my mycography studies of um, different areas of the brain. So now there is an area of the prefrontal cortex called the orbitofrontal cortex okay. that is associated with Broadman area. Broadman's area. Cool. The OFC, orbital frontal cortex, is um, a region in the frontal lobes of the brain, which is involved in cognitive processes of decision making. And there's different areas. So there's like, if you look it up, there's Broadman area one, Broadman area two, Broadman area three, Broadman mm-hmm. area four, and so on. to up, All the way up to 47, I believe. Um, so there's tiny little differences in the area that you see, see it um, in the OFC. And now they're finding more and more that they can kind of somewhat isolate this area of the brain to some of the issues with conduct disorder, but it's very preliminary research. So um, it is, if if you're looking at someone kind of right above their eyebrows. Okay. That's what I always focus on. Behind that area is where you would see this area of the brain. And it gets information from other areas of the brain, and, including the thalamus. And it represents emotion and reward in decision making. Mm. Um, but again, like with everything in the brain, there's a lot of variability here. Okay. I'm just going to briefly detail this because this can get pretty in the weeds. Okay. But it has been found to be associated with context-specific responding. Again, related to emotional appraisal of situations, inhibiting responses, and learning changes in contingencies. Okay. One of the findings in recent times is that conduct disorder is associated with both structural abnormalities and functional abnormalities during effective tasks. So So tests that require emotion? Yes. So they'll show people pictures of, this is really sad, but people being harmed. So, yeah, so they will show this study, Michalska and colleagues. So this would be such a bummer of a study to run. Um, 2016, they took 107 9 to 11 year old children with a wide range of conduct disorder symptoms. Okay. They put them in fMRI machines and they showed them brief video clips of people being harmed intentionally or accidentally. And what they found was children with more symptoms associated with conduct disorder exhibited dampened brain responses. So like 
less robust brain response, less lit lit up yeah. brain response. A dim brain. Dim brain <laughs> to viewing others being harmed. And this was, again, related to that area, Broadman's area in the brain. Okay. So when they see harm being done, they don't, they're not as emotionally reactive. No, not at all. In fact, it's very dulled. Yeah. They're, Which uh, makes sense because for a lot of people, if it's a brighter reaction, that's an inhibiting factor. Like if you feel really anxious when you see it or right. upset when you see it. Right. Like, and, right. Ha- you have higher empathy. Yeah. There's less of a chance that you will do those things to inflict harm on others. Right. It's as unpleasant for you. Yes. But interestingly, for some of these individuals, the higher the rating of conduct disorder or the higher the number of symptoms associated with conduct disorder, the less empathy they showed towards people getting hurt. Yeah. Makes sense. So you might be asking, what can we do about it? What can we do about it? Yes. So good question. So there is some evidence that there are things that can help. Okay. What do you think? What's your guess? I don't know. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Always. Come on. You always know. psychodynamic therapy. Antipsychotics. Treat comorbidities. So like if they also anger. So if they also have ADHD or some other behavioral difficulties. Depression. Right, exactly. You want to focus on those as well as the behavioral um okay. changes uh that you will support the family in making. Teach them a code to stick by so they only hurt bad people. A la Dexter. Well, social skills training yep. can really be helpful in this. That's exactly what I said. Okay. <laughs> Make him your own personal vigilante. Psychosocial, psychosocial interventions, including cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Other types of family therapy as well. Okay. Psychopharmacological interventions, right? So risperidone, antipsychotics type mm-hmm. things. Um, just calm them down. Mm-hmm. Some other things like clonidine. Some other medications are commonly used, guanfacine, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's actually... This is interesting because I have a client who's on ADHD medication. She has a diagnosis of a conduct disorder. So one of the recommendations was stimulants, um, ADHD medication, which sent this kid through the roof. Well, yeah, because if they don't have ADHD, like with a- in ADHD, when you take a stimulant, it has like a calming effect, like a paradoxical calming effect. But if yeah. you don't have it, it's just going to hype you up and make you like a really well. It could also with well energetic, but um, but yeah. So that was a bad Whoops. situation for that kid. So, anyways, that's I mean, that's really all I have cool. to talk about. We did a lot of problem admiration instead of treatment discussion. Well, maybe when we talk next week about antisocial, then we'll kind of talk more about treatments too okay on all of them well thank well, you that was good yeah thank you i learned a lot thanks i think that's a it's a good topic it's one that a lot of people ask about yeah i don't know i think there's there's a lot of like misunderstanding i mean there's not a lot of <laughs> pure understanding in the research in general but i think in the in terms of lay understanding of it there's also a lot of confusion mm. so hopefully we brought some answers yeah to you or maybe some more questions that you want to investigate yeah. and if you have that email us at rev.sitecast at gmail.com yep or put your question in a review with or five stars facebook page us facebook page us slide into our dms all right well all right i love you i love you too bye, bye. effect a yawn or burp or what but something weird really weird is going on good um